The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. The death of three hostages at the hands of the Israeli Defence Forces. The IDF has apologised for what they call the accidental killing of the three hostages. Meanwhile, calls for a ceasefire continue to grow. We're joined now by Professor and Political Analyst at the Clinton Institute at University College Dublin, Scott Lucas. Scott, good morning. Very good morning to you, Pat. Not a good weekend for the IDF. Um, They're also accused of uh, killing two Catholic women in a church in Gaza, a sniper fire, uh, although the IDF has denied it. Um, Is this where the increased intensity of uh, call for ceasefire is coming from? Well, I want to begin, Pat, by saying it's just not a good weekend as in indeed it's not been a good two and a half months for uh, civilians, especially the civilians right now in Gaza. Um, in the latest mass killing, up to 110 pe- uh, 10 people killed in the Jabalia refugee camp in northern Gaza, where hundreds have been killed and wounded earlier in this conflict. And as you mentioned, um, at least two women who have been killed in Gaza's only Catholic church, and not a good weekend for those three Israeli hostages that were shot dead by the Israeli military. But to get to the point of your question, uh, although the killing of the uh, Israeli hostages uh, did spark a backlash against uh, the prime minister, Mr. Netanyahu, within Israel, the families of the hostages, again, being prominent in leading calls for something to be done for a pause in the fighting at this point, and I stress at this point, uh, Netanyahu and the War Cabinet are not backing away. I've just referenced the attack on the refugee camp this morning. You could add attacks, um, indeed a siege on the remaining hospitals in Gaza. You could talk about attacks on other places of shelter, as well as attacks on Hamas targets. And Netanyahu has reiterated in the past 24 hours, despite now France, Germany, and the UK all shifting to call for a ceasefire, that he intends to stay the course. I I come back to the point that there's very little leverage from the international community right now, unless the Americans cut military aid to the Israelis. So the only block at this point uh, to Netanyahu and his colleagues is going to be if domestic opinion in Israel turns further against ongoing operations. The question of another Security Council resolution where uh, the... Uh, you know, the abstentions may vanish and uh, America may appear utterly isolated if it exercises its veto and it alone is the only dissenting voice. And and again, I mean, the the United States, just to put this into cold, stark relief, the reason why it had particular influence on the Israelis but chose not to use it was, first of all, uh, by vetoing the Security Council resolution earlier this month that was supported by 13 of the 15 members, with the UK abstaining, and then secondly, at the same time, not only refusing to cut military aid to uh, Israel, but providing the bombs and the missiles, including the unguided bombs that have been used in you know the mass attacks on Gaza. And within two days of vetoing the UN resolution, Joe Biden calling for another 45,000 tank shells to be given to the Israelis. So the U.S. has has effectively stepped aside and not exercised leverage. Now, will it shift to now move towards supporting the calls by most states for a ceasefire? We wait to see. Meanwhile, the other thing to watch, I think, on the diplomatic front is 
is that because of the backlash against uh, Israel's war cabinet over the killing of the three Israeli hostages by their own military, they have reopened tentative talks uh, through intermediaries for a pause uh, for a hostages exchange uh, in return for others being released from Israeli prisons, detainees being released from Israeli prisons. How do you think American domestic politics will uh, play into this? I mean, if uh, Biden was to say enough and no more, um, we're we're now going to call on Israel to uh, enter into ceasefire negotiations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What's the Republican take on it? Because Biden obviously is looking over his shoulder at his own party, and there are people within his own party who uh, feel for the plight of the people of Gaza. Uh, but he also has to look at the Republicans and and how they might make political capital out of any decision he takes. Well, it, it, right at this point, right now, Pat, I think. The Republican tactics, uh, the mainstream Republicans, not the Trumpist, is to let the Biden administration twist in the wind. Uh, there's no good, no good outcome for the Biden administration right now. So the Republicans are tending to keep their head low, heads low. Remember, Republicans in Congress are not only blocking uh, American aid to Ukraine, they're blocking American aid to Israel uh, as part of their uh, blackmail over the issue of immigration. I think more broadly in America, Pat, you're looking at two different levels that, that don't fit with each other. I think at the level of public opinion, I have been struck that this is the greatest expression of American public opinion at the grassroots against ongoing Israeli operations in any conflict I can remember uh, going back to the 1967 war. There are a lot of Americans, especially younger generation, uh, who are uh, opposed to continue the Israeli military operations. And there's a growing sentiment in favor of uh, support for a Palestinian state. That is not reflected, however, in terms of American political culture. Most of the American media tends to be very supportive of Israel, including the war cabinet in the way it portrays this conflict. And most politicians continue, and most businesses continue to be supportive of Israel as well, to the extent where there is far more attention given to a few university professors over the issue of anti-Semitism. That becomes the headline issue mm. rather than the day-to-day -day mass killing. So I, I think as long as that divide exists between the highest level of American political culture and the grassroots, we're not going to see, as it were, a unified American approach, certainly not one that's going to contribute to getting us towards a ceasefire. There seemed to be uh, such a disconnect between what is happening to the Palestinians in Gaza, the ordinary uh, people, the civilians caught up in this, and uh, what happens when three Israeli hostages are killed by the IDF. Um, you know, 20,000 Palestinians are killed and uh, many, many more thousands have been injured to the point of disability uh, going forward. So many people without their homes and, you know, Israel uh, and the, the war cabinet talking about... Uh, you know, a few thousand Israelis who cannot return to their homes because of insecurity issues. But, you know, 1.8 million Palestinians on the move and literally for many of them, no homes to go back to. Well, that's the point, Pat, in terms of not just in this current cycle of violence, but in almost every cycle of violence I can think of between Israel and Palestine, you know, going back many decades. And that is... And this is not to excuse, and I will repeat, that Hamas started this cycle of violence with its mass killing of more than 1,100 people on October 7th. But the point is, 
is that you are far more likely to see pictures of individual Israelis who have been killed. You might even know the names of a few of them. You will see the pictures of the individual Israeli hostages. You will know their stories. You will know about their families who are grieving, who are hoping for the return to loved ones. How many people, how many of your listeners, with all their good intentions, would know the name of any Palestinian who has been killed in the past two and a half months? And there have now been almost 20,000 of them. How many of them would know about the academics? the lawyers, the aid workers, the everyday people trying to scratch out a living in that blockaded area, how many will know them? In other words, on one side, quite rightly, you have a humanizing of the cost to Israel in terms of the loss of civilian life. And on the other hand, you have a mass of Palestinians who have not and usually are not given that humanity. And at the extreme, by those who continue to try to justify the killing, are lumped in with terrorist Hamas. Scott Lucas, Professor and Political Analyst at the Clinton Institute at UCD. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. All right. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.